right. Well, let's jump into this episode and start out with, I want to go into Proverbs chapter 9 and look at a few verses. And uh, my subject matter today that I want to lay out with you has to do with the seven pillars. I've called them the seven houses. You could call it the seven anointings, uh, the seven aspects of the overcomer. And there is a lot to this in Scripture. There's no way within this podcast I'm going to be able to unpack everything for you. But nevertheless, I, I do want to whet your appetite for a foundation uh, that uh, that God builds in us when he is uh, preparing us to come into this uh, order of Melchizedek. And in particularly, I just want to mention what happened was, you know, in the last episode I was uh, sharing with you about the Melchizedek order and the and how this began with, with us and how, you know, again, believe this there is a, a global move of God to bring this order into the earth, culminating in the Lord's return. And I was, you know, in prayer, and as I've said before, uh, just in a still quiet prayer with the Lord. And then I got into some worship and literally just had my, like a burning come on my chest of just the fiery love of the Lord and find myself uh, caught up. I wouldn't say like in a natural way, but caught up in the spirit to receive revelation. And this is what happened. The the Lord lays out this these eight dimensions. And in particular today, I just want to look at the seven uh, different aspects. And back to Proverbs 9, I want to start out here. It's called Wisdom's Feast. Wisdom has built herself a palace. And upon it, seven pillars are to keep it secure. She has made ready a banquet feast, and the sacrifice has been killed. She has mingled her wine, and the table is all set. She sent out her maidens, crying out from the high place, inviting everyone to come and eat until they're full. Whoever wants to know me and receive my wisdom, come and dine at my table and drink of my wine. Lay aside your simple thoughts, leave your past behind, agree with my ways, live in my truth, and righteousness you will find. Let me just say a prayer before we start in here. Uh, Jesus, receive glory and honor that you're due uh, through this podcast. May it awaken something in your people, uh, ignite and spark us, Lord, with fiery zeal and love for you and may our hearts burn hot within us to say even so now Lord come quickly in your name amen okay so first of all we see that the palace of God is established upon seven pillars uh, in this text at the banquet feast and I believe this speaking of the the banquet that we're coming into also, not just the one, the major one that we're coming to here at the end of this era and age, uh, going into the millennial age, but also the ones that we're coming to, like in these repetitive cycles that we're going into our life that, you know, that he's prepared a table for you in the presence of your enemy and your cup's overflowing. I mean, those kind of banquet feast moments. And you know what I mean when you've went through a lot of adversity, you've said yes to Jesus, but man, it's time to eat. 
and to relax for a little while. He's saying that here, hey, the sacrifice has been killed. And there's only one sacrifice that's need to happen here, and that's the Lord. And he's give us his whole self, the table set. Now, I don't know if you feel that, but I feel that like, hey, this thing is done. And it says on the cross, he said, it is finished. Jesus, I thank you for that. And like he's crying out right now, I'm sending out my, my maidens, you know, you the bride, crying out from the heavenly dimension and I inviting everyone, come and eat until you're full. And I, I believe the only place that you could ever satiate yourself on is Jesus and his, his life. You, nothing else is going to make a difference for us but him. He says, if you want to hear... And you want to know me and receive wisdom, come and dine at my table and drink my wine. And so, hey, hey, let's leave the paths of this world and the things of this world, and let's dine with the Lord. And that's what we're going to do today in this podcast. We're just going to have a little wine and dine with the Lord. Uh, because there's something that you and I have to do. Our ideas, our philosophies, our cultural perspectives, our you know, socioeconomic background, our own experience— it says here in the passage, like, hey, lay aside your simple thoughts. Leave your own path behind. Agree with my ways, speaking of the Lord, that he is true, and you will find righteousness. And as you probably know, Melchizedek means king of righteousness. So how are we going to find righteousness? Well, well, here it's laid out. In this passage, what again, what I'm wanting to secure with you is these seven pillars. So when I was caught up into the Lord uh, that day, in Leviticus, well, let me just let me tell you when it was here. I've got it here in my notes. It was on November the 19th of 2008. I am transported in prayer, and, and I hear the Lord say, uh, let me show you these seven dimensions and yea, eight. And I'm, I'm going to you know do my best just to lay out what he gave to me that day. He said, son, there are camps. Uh, there are whole denominations. There are works all over the earth. And they primarily, they orient themselves around particular aspects of what I have provisioned them by grace. And let me just say this to start out with, you know, I'm not here to like talk about levels and who's got this and who doesn't and try to engender envy or jealousy nor superiority or any of that. There's an, We have enough of that going on inside of Christendom, and I hope that what you hear today doesn't, you don't hear that from me, because we want, first of all, to honor the movements of the past, and I, I want to do that today. I want to honor the moves who went on the line for the Lord, and in no way am I uh, wanting to imply anything here about a superiority, but I am particularly tasked by the Lord to talk about this Melchizedek order and this uh, palace dimension that we are spoke of here in um, Proverbs chapter 9, verse 1. So in these seven pillars are seven different aspects of, let's say, priesthood. And there are seven legitimate aspects to priesthood, and there are also seven illegitimate aspects. Uh, a lot of the reasons why many of you in the remnant are hungry and not finding what you're maybe looking for because you're really looking for for the Lord in fullness is because uh, within these seven seven aspects, there have also been a lot of illegitimacy. 
what I mean by that is there are legitimate things we do, but in an illegitimate way. And we all are dealing with this or have been in one framework or another because we were orphaned from the Father. And, of course, by the blood, he's bringing us back to restore relationship with the Father. And so so let me start out with these. And I'm just going to lay out, lay this out. And then as you grow and you examine this yourselves and you study it, I think that you'll see this biblically. And you'll also see, and you probably can expound on it even greater than what maybe I'll do with you today. But the first one, the first aspect of priesthood that we come to is our personal salvation, where Jesus justifies us uh, and gives us grace to believe by faith and be saved. And he intervenes in our life and chooses us and comes to us and saves us. And as you well know, for me, it was one of the greatest moments of my life, and I'm sure it is for you. Uh, and much of what we are doing, there's the aspects of the church today or camps that are really focused on salvation, the message of salvation. And like I said, I'm not wanting to delegitimize that at all. That is, that's our entry uh, point, and you know that we must be born again, as the Lord said that to Nicodemus. You know that he he saved us and he's come to us and. He's made us his own. But as you well know, many of us go down a journey after our salvation and we move into some new aspects. And what I hope this will do for you is it will give you some wisdom to see that what God is doing is establishing. The next place that you come to and is we could call it um, the dealing with sin or the process of faith, of having a faith uh, towards God and process that he's taken us to in trusting him. I think that you find that maybe after your salvation and your, you know, the honeymoon periods sort of wore off that maybe some uh, dryness started to come and you start to think, where did you go? Lord? And I, I think most of us experienced that in our early days. And maybe some of you are experiencing that now uh, with this podcast, but you, you come through a time with him where maybe he pulls away a little bit and, some adversity comes. You may have had a church change or may have had a, a family situation happen or some financial setbacks. And where are you at, God? He's starting to come in and work with us in a deeper way. And and so that's like an aspect of that second pillar. A third pillar has to do with, you could call it sanctification. You could also call it inner healing. And uh, there's some really remarkable ministries out there that are dealing with uh, this, you know, going through inner healing and starting to like view into, um, you know, ungodly soul ties or shame issues and fear issues, control issues, maybe some of your parental background things that you're dealing, have dealt with, um, how to, you know, start to break the third and fourth generational sins and coming out of agreement with uh, family patterns and things that you're dealing with in your life. And so you go you go through a process and you know, of sanctification with the Lord. That's and yes, sanctification is an ongoing process with us until our glorification. But just let's just call it inner healing, and this uh, powerful. And like I said, you know, many ministries given over to inner healing ministries and totally legitimate need there. Probably, I, I would say, once you come through a lot of inner healing and you start to really experience some victory. The word brings you into this next phase, a pillar I would call the uh, cross. And um, 
now, you know, you've received so much of a blessing, but a lot of these first three pillars that we're dealing with, a lot of them have to do with um, us, you know, kind of what we're getting out of the deal, our own personal inheritance in God. And then, you know, as the Lord starts to really do a marvelous work with us in that, then comes this season of where there's a major shift. I think, you know, this season for my life, when I came to really starting to view the cross and started to uh, hear, hear some messages, I think, I believe it was Paris Reedhead that that really impacted me in this area on his baptism of the Holy Spirit message. But he started to talk about the, the right to your rights and how, you know, the word would apply the blood to your, you know, to the priest's ear. And I believe it was in Leviticus 8 to his right earlobe. You know, he talked about how now that, that my ears are not to just hear anything, but I'm hearing the word of the Lord and and to his right thumb, and that my hands now are to be used for God. They're not to be used for maybe what is legitimate or conventionally wise, but my hands have been given over to um, my master's work, and then to his right big toe, that my feet now are going to go where God's feet, living his life in me, would go. And this wrestling happens, much like Jacob, this back and forth exchange with God with I'm really, really interested in me. I'm really interested in my inheritance. But I, man, it's, this is a crazy thought to start to think about your inheritance, Lord. And this is about you and your glory. And uh, I remember one day um, I was sitting in our car and man, we were going through it just trial after trial. And I, I wanted so bad to get out. I was just like, man, if I could just get out of this. And I remember putting my hand to go grab the door handle and I was going to make a decision to run away from God. And I remember my own hand wouldn't even do what my brain told it to. (laughs) There's a place where the blood intervenes into your life so much. You go on with the Lord. You're just, you know, you're not going to get out and do your own thing. And the blood gets in there and it starts to change you. And I remember reading, you know, in Jeremiah 20, I think it was verse 7, he's saying to the Lord, you wooed me in with your love and you tricked me. And now I'm down in this pit, you know, he got thrown in there by a king because of prophesying correctly. And, you know, so the cross comes in and it starts to really shift our priorities. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done for me, but oh my goodness, you deserve the glory. What a novel idea. It's all about you, Jesus. And I'm just glad to be along for the ride. I thought it was all about me. And I know the Lord's gracious in that. So you come through that. And, uh, you know, I think there's a stumbling block for so many people to cross. I really have seen it. I've watched it pastoring people. This is where so many people stumble. And um, that because of so much self-interest, Another aspect would be your inalienable rights. Mm -hmm. And when someone intervenes into your life and their right out trumps yours, and just the resistance and rebellion that's in the human heart to say, nobody's going to tell me what to do. But this is voluntary. You know, nobody has to tell you what to do. You voluntarily are saying yes to Jesus in your sanctification. He's not forcing you. This poll, Waking of the Galactic Progeny, is for those of you that have said, when he comes to you, yes, yes. 
Yes, and have went down some tough places. Um, uh, you know, on to the next pillar, I call it provision. Uh, you're going to learn in this next phase, you, you learn how to live off of a different principle because God's not going to have you live off of your own works. He's going to teach you how to live by faith, even in regard to finance. So you learn what it means to reap and sow. You learn that principle. You learn God's investment strategy. It's At one moment, it can be just like almost terrifying and dreadful when the Lord comes to you and he says, give everything that you have away. But when he does or he tells you to give something above Let's say what you're normally giving or he challenges you just you know let me just share with you go for it um the lord and i'm going to get into this later on it'll be in uh actually in a few phases down called building a philanthropic base uh, but when we get to that phase i'll show you what the lord's shown me on how to build effectively with him through finance but we come through this place where you know, for a lot of us, like provision tightens up and you get challenged. Um, you know, this happened to the apostles uh, repeatedly. It happens to all of us who walk this path of discipleship. He's going to, like, challenge your um, number counting and the way you look at look at finance. And so you go through a phase of being tried and tested and uh, provision uh, and how that you're going to make ends meet the, the next pillar uh the pillar called anointing again and just saying the last couple of pillars there's these great moves of god and i i mean i could just go over and over like names and I, I don't think that that's the best thing to do right now but just great preachers and teachers of the cross great preachers and teachers of the aspect of sowing and reaping um and the principle of provision and then you have this next phase called the anointing where the Lord really brings in like an understanding of the anointing. This is where the healing and miracle dimension operates in the laying on of hands and moving in, in the power gifts, uh, impartation, uh, evangelism impartation and, and aspects like that. So much, a lot of people like the anointing. We all like the anointing when the Lord comes and he moves and he uh, heals somebody or puts a new leg on or a new heart in or you know, puts, I've, I've, watched, I've watched somebody get their hair back. That was cool. You know, uh, one of our ladies, uh, Jerry Ann Allred, she was 67 at the time, uh, played the drums and at our meetings, and she she gets curly hair from the Lord when she had always wanted, she had always had straight hair, and God gave her curly hair. And that was a really cool story. Um, all these scenes of Parkinson's disease healed and lymphatic cancer and different things and, and colitis and the Lord just comes and heals and we love the anointing you know and some great ministries out there that are dedicated to teaching in that area and preaching from an anointing um, that would be pillar number six and then pillar seven would be the work of consecration now in Leviticus 8 and if you'll go and look in Leviticus 8 yourself, you'll see these in Leviticus 8. Uh, but the last one, the priests were brought in and into the tent for uh, 24-7. And so in this last phase, God consecrates us. 
And this great movement that's been on the earth, the House of Prayer movement, uh, I believe falls in this category. It's um, it's the movement for consecration, for wholeheartedness, for, I mean, oh, I love this movement. You know, I, I believe it's been the Holy Spirit's work all over the earth to bring in, uh, bring us into this move. And I, I think that it's, it significantly is, you know, if you want to call it a rite of passage, but you've got to go through consecration and wholeheartedness. You know, I'm, I'm talking about post-salvation, post-inner healing, post the dealing of, you know, generational curses, post the cross, post the provision movement, post the anointed movement, you know, the consecration movement. We've got to be consecrated to the Lord. And uh, for some, you know, for them, they put them in for a 24-hour period. And yeah, I don't know how long it takes for God's people to be consecrated. Uh, for some of us, it's longer than others, depending on maybe how much we go kicking and screaming but uh, there does come a time when we finally just say you know enough's enough I'm and the word sees that and it's and we're all his and so these are these seven pillars uh, I believe these aspects are also in Hebrews chapter 6 so you can look at that because he'll go through these aspects and then he'll say and we will go on if God permits and so when we're talking about going on uh, we're going on into this movement of consecration, um, what's been called the forerunner ministry, uh, that, that's going in to a forerunner that goes in at the end of Hebrews 6 in the order of Melchizedek. And so the forerunner consecrated movement is to help us to transition out of an earthly, fleshly kind of way and mentality into a, a heavenly or pioneering heavenly way into the heavens. And so that is this, this consecration movement sits at that door of the altar of incense and goes in behind the veil. This palace, though, and, and that, we've, that I've brought out today out of Proverbs 9, is built on top of these seven major moves of God, or seven aspects of priesthood. Um, like I said, there's the seven eyes of God are looking at this. David was given these anointings. He is the eighth son of Jesse, given seven aspects of an anointing. You can read about that also. And again, I'm going to put up some links for you so that you'll be able to connect into this. And I have some more post material that you can uh, examine it. But this last great move, this palace, uh, the way the Lord put it back November 19, 2008 was, get ready for a habitation because I'm going to make myself one with my people. And this, I believe this is, this, this is the fullness that's been talked about a lot in those who are just forerunning and pioneering this last end time work is the Lord is interested in full habitation. This is his desire. He wants to be with us. He wants to hang out with us. He wants to come to us and he loves us so much much of what you're going to hear out of this podcast, what the Lord, I believe, has tasked me with for you to bless you and to help you and encourage you is that he is looking for a place of habitation, that he is, this is his desire and his longing more than it could ever be ours, that Jesus' high priest prayer that he prayed in John 17, that Father, make them one as we are one, is going to be answered. If anybody's going to get the prayer request answered, it's Jesus. 
And when we pray the prayers that Jesus wants us to pray, we get ours answered too. I'm going to say that because he said, if you pray in my name, you'll, you will get what you're asking for. But he, but his big request is the thing that he's enamored with is, hey, look, I have this relationship with Father and we're one. And I want you to have that same reality living out in your life. That the heart of the fathers turned to the children and the children of the father. So his interest is in habitation. And again, this podcast is tasked with uh, developing concepts and um, reality around that idea. That's what we call the awakening of the galactic progeny or the heavenly sons that, that are born out of the heavens who live here to bring heaven to earth and literally shift the government of the world over to Jesus. Well, let's um, let's close today uh, with that, and um, let me pray uh, with you. Or what a magnificent, awesome reality that is present with us now that your blood has paid for full habitation with you that you don't have to we don't have to have a a distance between us uh, we don't have to have Lord like a, this angst in our soul we don't have to have an abandonment we don't have to have like a pain anymore this like where are you at that we can experience you right now like we can be with you and know that you're here, that you're real, and that you love us, and that you've called us and you set us for a purpose. I ask you for everyone that's listening today that they would just be impressed upon your divine purpose to love them first, but also to give them destiny. And I pray that that we will hold that as the most precious to our soul. First, that you you know you deserve the glory and the honor, and that secondly, that you have a purpose for us uh, to give of ourselves and to be a blessing to others. 